No matter how old he is and what stage he has reached in life, a Jew begins to long again for the master of the universe, in the same way as Rav Adabar Ava longed for his master, and I long for my wife. But while our longings are a fantasy, since one who has died will never return, longing for the master of the universe is realistic, and man is drawn to him and rushes toward him with all his strength. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 178, The Sabbath of Return. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. A fascinating recent article in the Wall Street Journal by Daniel Pink is titled, No Regrets is No Way to Live. Pink's thesis is that feeling regretful about past mistakes or missed opportunities is essential as one seeks to form one's life in the future, and that the motto, no regrets, is profoundly incorrect. Pink writes, quote, The conclusion from both the science and the survey is clear. Regret is not dangerous or abnormal. It is healthy and universal, an integral part of being human. Equally important, regret is valuable. It clarifies. It instructs. Done right, it needn't drag us down. It can lift us up. Granted, he continues, regret feels awful. It is the stomach-churning sensation that the present would be better and the future brighter if only you hadn't chosen so poorly, decided so wrongly, or acted so stupidly in the past. Regret hurts. It makes sense that we try to shut it out. But if regret is hard to take, it's even harder to avoid. End quote. Daniel Pink is right. And his article cuts to the heart of what repentance is all about, which, in turn, allows us to better study the prophetic passage most famously associated with the penitential season. The end of Hosea provides us with the Haftarah, the prophetic reading, for the Sabbath before Yom Kippur, and it gives us a clarion call to repentance. Its opening word, Shuva, serves for many Jews as the source of a name given this day, Shabbat Shuva, the Sabbath of return. Chapter 14, verse 2. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, Ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. The prophet exhorts Israel to repent, and Israel is guaranteed by God that with repentance will come forgiveness and love. But how does repentance work? How is the penitent supposed to look upon past sins? One possible understanding of repentance is as a process through which one becomes a different person, forever disconnected from past failures. One literary example of such a description can be found in the repentance of Jean Valjean in Les Miserables, where he weeps and studies his past life as if he were not the villain that performed his own misdeeds. This is how Victor Hugo describes it, quote, As he wept, daylight penetrated more and more clearly into his soul, an extraordinary light, a light at once ravishing and terrible. His past life, his first fault, his long expiation, his external brutishness, his internal hardness, his dismissal to liberty, rejoicing in manifold plans of vengeance, what had happened to him at the bishops, the last thing that he had done, the theft of 42 from a child, a crime all the more cowardly and all the more monstrous since it had come after the bishop's pardon. All this recurred to his mind and appeared clearly to him with a clearness which he had never hitherto witnessed. He examined his life, and it seemed horrible to him, his soul, and it seemed frightful to him. In the meantime, a gentle light rested over this life and this soul. It seemed to him that he beheld Satan by the light of paradise. So this is one form of teshuvah, repentance. You change so much that you are no longer identified with the person that performed those original acts. The problem with such a version of atonement, as Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik has noted, is that it cuts one off from one's entire past. 
But there is another approach to repentance in which we don't seek to forget our mistakes, our faltering, our failures. We bear them with us through life. We remember them. We learn from them. One story which I believe I received from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs describes an employee of IBM who made a massive mistake and cost the company a million dollars. He was brought in to see Thomas Watson, the CEO, and the employee said to Watson, I assume you want my resignation. And Watson said something like, are you kidding? We just spent a million dollars on your education. We've spent more money on you than on any other employee. One can bear one's mistakes through life as a learning experience. This is the beginning of understanding penitence as a process in which we do not forget our past. Rabbi Soloveitchik describes this approach as follows. Sin is not to be forgotten, blotted out, or cast into the depths of the sea. On the contrary, sin has to be remembered. It is the memory of sin that releases the power within the inner depths of the soul of the penitent to do greater things than ever before. The energy of sin can be used to bring one to new heights. End quote. And indeed, it is perhaps just this sort of repentance to which Hosea refers in our aforementioned passage. Take with you words, he says, or kechu imachem devarim. As many understand this, the prophet describes confession, open enunciation of one's past misdeeds. And openly confronting one's failures, Daniel Pink writes in the journal, is very important. Quote, The research shows that by acknowledging past regrets, we can avert future ones. In a 2008 study in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology, Keith Markman of Ohio University and his collaborators discovered that prompting participants to ponder their regrets after a problem-solving exercise enhanced their persistence, strategic thinking, and performance on subsequent exercises. A 2021 Bentley University study published in the International Journal of Organization Theory and Behavior showed that encouraging corporate executives to reflect on their regrets rather than allied them gave them greater clarity of thought regarding their current business challenges, end quote. Pink adds later in the article that, quote, using language, whether written or spoken, forces us to organize and integrate our thoughts. Describing regrets to others converts those abstract, stomach-churning feelings into concrete, less fearsome words. Instead of those unpleasant emotions fluttering around uncontrollably, language helps us to capture them in our net, pin them down, and begin analyzing them, end quote. We are now able to begin to understand how bearing memory of past misdeeds into the future can actually engender profound moral and spiritual progress. But regret's connection to repentance is bound up with penitence beyond the process of learning from one's mistakes. The word for repentance in Hebrew, again, is teshuvah, literally meaning return. Hosea's cry is, Shuva Yisrael ad Hashem Return, O Israel to the Lord your God. To engage in sin is to distance oneself from God, and thus return is described as being ensconced in the Almighty's embrace. Thus, verse 6, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as the Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as the Lebanon. They that dwell under his shade shall return. They shall revive as the grain and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Repentance, then, is driven by a desire to feel close to God once again, or to paraphrase Hosea, to be under the comforting shade of God once again. It is with this in mind that we can better understand how regret can drive this return of which the prophet speaks. And here we draw on one of the most remarkable passages in Rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik's lectures on repentance. In order to describe how connection with the past can form penitence in the future, Rabbi Soloveitchik as an analogy, reflects on one's reaction following the death of a loved one. 
No matter how fulfilling a relationship may have been, no matter how much one honored one's connection to parent or spouse, when a loss occurs, the bereaved looks back on missed opportunities and longs for one more moment of that loved one's presence, one more moment of that closeness. The same can be said for others in our lives. Thus the Talmud describes Rabbi Adabar Ava mourning after his teacher and mentor passed away, regretting that he did not seize every moment that was available to learn from him. In perhaps the most moving passage in all of his pre-high holiday lectures, speaking of his parents and also of his wife, both of whom had at that point passed away, Rabbi Soloveitchik said as follows, quote, Just before Rosh Hashanah, I imagined that my father of blessed memory was standing beside me. He was the one and only Rebbe, master and teacher that I ever had. I put my life down before him and said, My father, my teacher, I have had so many new insights concerning the laws of the Day of Atonement. Certainly there are amongst them some which would have pleased you, and also some which you would have rejected. That was how I imagined myself speaking to my father, knowing that I would receive no response. Oh, what would I have given to be able to discuss Torah with him, if only for five minutes? But I knew that my beloved father, who had once been so close to me, was now far away, and my heart burst with the desire to talk to him for even five minutes, which had not seemed so valuable while he was still alive. The same is true regarding my mother and my wife. Several days ago, I once again sat down to prepare my annual discourse on the subject of repentance. I always used to discuss it with my wife, and she would help me to define and crystallize my thoughts. This year, too, I prepared the discourse while consulting her. Could you please advise me? Should I expand upon this idea or cut down on that idea? Should I emphasize this point or that one? I asked but heard no reply. Perhaps there was a whispered response to my question, but it was swallowed up by the wind whistling through the trees, and it did not reach me. End quote. It is with this in mind, Rabbi Soloveitchik further said, that we can understand how repentance can be driven by regret. We will not be fully reunited with those we loved and lost while we are still on this earth. But if sin has distanced us from God, we can indeed be driven by the regret, by the pain over distance, and God can be found again on this earth, wherever we are. Rabbi Soloveitchik put it this way, quote, No matter how old he is and what stage he has reached in life, a Jew begins to long again for the master of the universe, in the same way as Rav Adabar Ava longed for his master, and I long for my wife. But while our longings are a fantasy, since one who has died will never return, longing for the master of the universe is realistic, and man is drawn to him and rushes toward him with all his strength. He runs faster than he used to before he strayed afar. The intensity of the longing that bursts forth after having been pent up for so long impels him forward. For example, were I actually to see my father, would I not run after him as fast as light itself? So too the sinner who has repented runs after the Creator with all his might and strength. This impulsion of longing raises the individual who has repented to a level above that of the thoroughly righteous man. He has not forgotten his sin. He must not forget it. Sin is the generating force, the springboard which pushes him higher and higher. End quote. So Rabbi Soloveitchik said, Repentance is the call of Hosea, the call with which the prophet concludes. It is not an easy endeavor. It requires confronting mistakes. But the Wall Street Journal article elucidates why this confrontation can be so valuable. And Daniel Pink concludes the piece as follows, quote, Looking backward can move all of us forward if we respond correctly. That demands thinking clearly about this indispensable emotion. In 1967, in an essay for the New York Review of Books, James Baldwin demonstrated that clarity when he wrote, Though we would like to live without regrets, and sometimes proudly insist that we have none, this is not really possible, if only because we are mortal. More than a half century later, Pink continued, as we start to emerge from a period that has forced many of us to face our own mortality, we are learning that regret 
can offer one of the clearest paths to a life well-lived, end quote. The courage to return is at its heart bound up with hope itself. Hosea's call for return is sounded on the Sabbath before Yom Kippur. But for Judaism, if we are ever distant from the divine, there is no moment in our lives when God cannot be encountered once again. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together next week. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom and signing off.